This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about bump to bum ways that we harm and damage important relationships in our lives. But... Always a little entertaining, I hope. Dropping lots of gems along the way. And this is for all of us. Um, We are relational beings. That's why all of my work always tries to somehow address the relational elements of whatever the topic is or what's going on in our lives. We were talking about how to get through the holidays with toxic people, how to give gifts that are mental health centered. Um, Our mental health is an assessment that we can make based on those that are around us, how we're impacting them, how they're impacting us. And I've been doing this work for two decades, focusing specifically on relationships and couples and eroticism. And uh, we have so much unlearning to do and relearning to do. And uh, so I'm always hitting relational skills from different elements, different entry points. So even if you guys are loyal listeners to Loveline, um, we'll be talking about this in some new and different ways, but it's all about repetition. I'm always trying to give people sound bites, things to hold on to. Um, A lot of us are a little, I think, too confident in our relational know-how, or maybe not even at all. And I think we get in our own ways. There's a lot of myths that go around that I think keep people trapped. And so these are things to think about. So we're going to break down some of them. Hopefully these will be the things where you're like, ah, but even if you already know these things, I uh, hope we can go a little bit deeper and really assess ourselves. Um, the first one is this comes up all the time about opposites. Opposites attract. Is, it, is there a problem if someone's too different from you? You know, uh, what's really great about this time in history is that we have a lot of really robust relational research. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of empirically validated and longitudinal study-based research that helps us understand what are the attributes or elements that healthy couples have, happy couples that have long-term sustainability. Um, We talk about attachment theory and research, lots of stuff. And it really tells us that it's not about finding someone who's opposite or finding someone who's similar. Yes, we want compatibility, but compatibility isn't necessarily just as simple as you're, you know, you drink and I don't drink. Compatibility is really about how the two of you come together and manage your similarities and manage your differences. Please don't think that just because you both love drinking and you both love video games and you both love hiking, that that means you're a good match. It's how you manage your time while playing video games and hiking and drinking. It's what happens when the two of you come together in those spaces around those you know, activities, that's what matters more. So what does that mean? What am I rambling about? I'm saying you have to go spend time with these people out in the world. I honestly, in some ways, do wish that people didn't early on, especially on apps, 
assess anything based on. Are you indoorsy or outdoorsy? Do you like horror movies or comedies? Because I think these are false, false constructs. And there's no such thing as, this, there's no similarities in that. Just because this person likes hiking, there's so many different versions of the kind of people that like hiking and what the thing, what are the things they like to do or talk about while they're hiking. So when someone says we're similar and all they can give me is a quality, you're not telling me anything. Just because you both like cooking doesn't mean you cook in a similar way or the similar kinds of things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the work isn't about are we similar, are we opposite? It's what is it like when we're together navigating the similarities, navigating the differences? Because sometimes complete differences work better. Sometimes similarities are a clash. Sometimes complete differences are a clash. It really is about your temperaments and having similar personality styles in terms of, in terms of not what's on the surface, but again, what happens when you're brought together? Because you could date two people where on paper you have everything in common and they're two different experiences. And so I always say to people, stop spending your time anxiously assessing from afar based on a checklist or even things you spoke about on the phone. Go be in the actual relationship and stop sitting on the sidelines talking about it. Stop assessing it point by point in theory, go go on dates with them, go hike with them. Even if they're like, I hate the outdoors. I say things like that all the time, but you'll see me sometimes at the beach under an umbrella with a stack of books, but nonetheless, I'm there. And you'll see me sometimes hiking because we have a little more flexibility than we let on when we hold ourselves to these rigid attributes of who we think we are. And if you like someone enough and you're healthy enough, you'll let them be, you'll let yourself be influenced by them. You might have a new experience of some of these things that you claim to hate. So don't get so hung up on are we too similar, are we not similar enough, and go be with them. Go spend time with them. See what it actually means out in the world in real time. We can't be doing these armchair assessments from afar. I see so many people doing that. Between sessions, a client will say, yeah, I was speaking to these people on the app or I met someone at a party and we were just talking about who we are and it just sounds like we don't have anything in common. I'm like, oh my God, while sitting there at a party having a cocktail, you think that you guys going through an itemized list of how you spend your time, that that really helps us understand what the two of you would be like as a couple, go on a date when you're interested, go out and find out. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, go out and find out. You know what I mean? So that's the first myth I wanna bust is that we can figure out anything just by looking at a list of things or sitting down with paper. I've talked about that a few times on the show, but that's something I still see people getting hung up on, along with things that tell you nothing about someone's mental health or what it would be like to be their partner, along with lists, things like height, weight, income, that also tells us nothing. All right, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and keep talking about some of these relational myths. Um, some of them you're gonna be familiar with, other ones maybe not so much. So stick around, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, Rachel, we are back and we're talking about drumroll. Relationships, relational myths, things that get in the way of us having awesome friends and friendships um, and partners. Oh, so much anxiety. We're so protective. We're so worried about, you know, investing in the wrong thing. And it sounds like you're buying a car or a home or something that like, there's no flexibility or fluidity. Sure. If you're buying a car or a home or something like that, you're right. It is what it is. It's black and white. What do you think about it? Look at the pictures, look at the details. That's all there is to it. But with people, there's a lot of flexibility, how they present or who they say they are on paper while not in a relationship with you from afar is very different from what you co-create. I say that about sex as well. Every new partner, you're a virgin again. You don't know who they are sexually. You don't know what they enjoy sexually. You don't know what the two of you will co-create. Be open to discovering something new about yourself. But we tend to go in very rigidly. Well, this is who I am. Anytime someone starts a sentence with, this is who I am, or ends it with, that's just who I am, I know that they are psychologically very rigid and they're not operating from their most healthy, higher self. Because we are, we are very flexible. Physically, psychologically, we can be influenced by people. In fact, that's a healthy trait. That's a trait I look for in healthy relationships is the fact that they both have a lot of equal power and equal ability to influence each other. We have to be more of an open system, open to being impacted by the environments we're in. Different people and different situations will bring different parts of us forward. So get out of your head around, are we similar or are we too different? Those things aren't necessarily important. Another one, and this was coming up a little bit during COVID because everything was a little bit of a distant relationship. Everything was a little long distance because we weren't able to really get out there. And so we were relying on a lot of texting and FaceTiming maybe and things like that. But this idea that long distance relationships don't work. Um, for those that have listened to the show, you know that I was in one for many years. We now live together happily. And uh, that's always the example I give. People think, oh, well, they live in another city or another town. I say, that's right. And you might be missing out on a great partnership if you're not willing to put in that time until one of you maybe decides to move. And um, you better hope that if you pass on this person that in that length of time that you would have been spending getting to know them, that you find something better. I'm glad I put in the effort and energy to deal with my long distance relationship because now we live together here in LA in my home. And had I, instead of doing what it took, I might've passed on the uh, ability to be with an amazing human being and have my life completely enhanced and made better because of their presence in it. And um, I wouldn't have been better any further or better along necessarily had I 
opted for something more comfortable or easier. I might still be single. I might still be dating really problematic, toxic people. I might still be dealing with all the complexity that is the dating apps and all that. But I said, you know what? Nothing important is easy. I said, I'm willing to really show how much I want relationship and commitment by putting it first and by putting in the time and energy. So if you're saying, I really want a partner, but you're not willing to deal with difficulty, then you're not really serious about it because we have to be wide open and cast a wide net. We have to date people that we think might not have anything in common with us. We have to date people that might not live in the most ideal geographic place. We have to... Um, date people that might not initially show up in the exact ways that we think we need to feel safe and comfortable. We have to be willing to be a little disrupted. We talked about that on a show this week that you can't expect your life to be exactly as it is, not disrupted and drop someone in and that if there's any changes that need to be made or I'm disrupted in any way that they're not an ideal match. It's quite the opposite. A good person is gonna be around, a well-rounded total person and they're gonna have needs and you're gonna to have to make accommodations. And long distance can be beautiful. I'm not saying it's simple or easy. You're missing out on a lot of the touch, the proximity, the sexuality that helps us build intimacy and closeness and safety. But you get to work really hard on establishing that with the psychological and the emotional. Don't undermine or illegitimize the importance of that. It's just a different way of building connection. Um, so yes, closeness is awesome. Ease is awesome, but there are attributes that are made stronger and better as a result of dealing with long distance. And it really does help you show a deeper level of commitment. Um, thousands upon thousands of people are in long distance relationships. Thousands upon thousands of people are in relationships where things change and maybe someone goes to school or takes a job in a different city or a different town or a different state. And they stay together through that as well, knowing that that's not forever. But again, if you're dating or in a relationship and you want things simple and easy, then you don't understand what healthy relationships are about. They're, go they're going to be about stretching ourselves. And we really show commitment and trust when it's difficult and we do it anyway. When we wake up early to drive them to the airport, you're showing trust and commitment. When we're um, willing to take on more of the bills so they can go back to school, we're showing trust and commitment and safety. When um, they want to take a job in a different town or go shoot a project in another city and we stay in the relationship, we're showing trust, commitment, and all of that. So it's, it, you know, we don't show trust and commitment when things are simple or easy. It's when things are difficult and we stick around and we show up that we really show commitment. Really hear me say that. When things are easy, awesome, they're easy, enjoy it. But there's no work in that. There's no demonstration of commitment when things are simple and fun. We want that, we want that all the time. But when things are hard or, or uncomfortable or we're thrown off or we're disrupted and we prioritize our relationship over our, our, our comfort and ease, that is when we're really showing how committed we are. That is when we're showing our partner, you can trust me to stick around through difficult times. But whenever you're frustrated, whenever it's hard, if you leave or you cut and run or you are less available or whatever it is, you are doing the opposite of building trust and showing commitment. So remember that. I said to all my clients, what is this relationship like when things are hard? What is this relationship like when you need something? What is this relationship like when you're putting your partner out because something important's happening to you? That's when we really show commitment. It's also when we really show things like fidelity. It's easy to be 
let's say, for instance, monogamous, when we're not being, you know, courted by anyone else or flirted with. But when someone who you're really turned on by hits on you or flirts with you and you're in a committed monogamous relationship and you do whatever you need to do to honor that relationship, yet again, that is when you're really showing that commitment and that trust. All right, we gotta take a little break. We'll be back talking about relationships and mental health. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, today we're talking about relationships and busting through some myths, but uh, we're extending this to all relationships in our lives. Because as we were saying in the last segment, you know, not all your friends and family members are people that you have all the things in common with or a lot of differences. You connect over some things, you disconnect over other things, and that's why we have a lot of people in our lives. So as to not put that pressure and expectation on this one and one person only. We have multiple friends. We have that friend that we go to for you know support in hard times. We have that other friend that maybe is less emotionally available, but they make us really laugh and they help distract us and we go do stupid, fun things in the world with them. Then we have another friend that's maybe more intellectualized. And with them, we talk about life, philosophy, existential stuff, books we're reading. And then when we date someone, they get to fill in a different need. We don't have to make our partner or our best friend someone who can accommodate or relate to or connect with every single aspect of us. That is why we have a multitude of relationships in our lives. But again, we somehow want more. And when we're dating, we often have this odd expectation that they should be able to meet us at every level of who we are. And that's just not, it's not really reasonable. So so just be realistic in that. And also we were talking about distance, that of course we want it simple and easy and comfortable, but trust and, and commitment are really built and shown when things are difficult and we hang in there and we do it anyway. And I was talking about long distance, how maybe we wish our best friend lived closer. That's the other thing. I dated someone long distance for a few years who lived in a different country. My two best friends also left the state. One of them left the country and another moved to a different state. I didn't get rid of them because now it's a little harder. It's in some ways no different. We still hop on the phone as often. We're still FaceTiming as often. It's just I don't get to see them face to face. But that filled in a gap where I could, that allowed me to fill in the gap by meeting other people, making some new friends locally. Dating can be that as well. If your partner is not interested in horror movies, awesome. Thank God you can have another friend or do have another friend who will go see those with you. It's okay that your partner doesn't want to go to the movies with you all the time. Also, if you're into athletics, at one point I played rugby. I was in a relationship with someone who did not play rugby, didn't want to play rugby, and didn't really want to come watch me play rugby. And I was like, cool, I'm not gonna live and die in terms of you know how loved I feel based on this piece. I'll go play rugby with my rugby friends. And I was on a rugby team. And, and I had my friends on the team and that's who I talked about rugby with. And then I'd come home to my partner and we'd talk about how it went, how the game went, but I didn't expect them to be there all the time or to really buy in as much as I did. That is okay. We can outsource some of those things. So again, please don't think my best friend, my close friend, my partner, my husband or wife has to be at everything and meet every need. It's an unfair expectation. Um, another really big one is sex drive, sexual compatibility, and everything that falls under that rubric. Uh, it's a little more intensified for those that are in monogamous relationships, those that are polyamorous or in an open relationship. Um, it tends to be less intensified because they have other sexual relational options and opportunities. And they understand that my one primary doesn't have to meet every need or can't. 
But for those that choose monogamy for whatever reason, and not everyone's built for it, it's not right for everyone. For those that feel like that's right for them, that's who they are, it's going to intensify a little bit because your partner's limits are your limits. And what they're available for and how often they're available for and what they're interested in, again, impacts your sex life directly. Now, as always, I remind people that we have solo sexuality and partnered sexuality. Thank God for solo sexuality because that gives us access to sex and certain things that our partners aren't interested in or available for. We can still have a sex life in a non-partnered way. And solo sexuality is where we get to really establish autonomy. And our partner, whether husband or wife or whatever it is, does not get to weigh in directly on our solo sex life. That's between us. That's up a relationship with us, ourselves. They get to weigh in on the partnered sex because we've made a contract with them through monogamy that we're only going to have partnered sex with each other. And we get to talk about how that feels and how that's going. But we also get to have solo sexuality that is only under our control. And we're allowed to assert privacy and boundaries. We don't have to talk that much about it. That's We're allowed to keep that to ourselves. But it'd be great if we were in a healthy enough relationship we can talk very openly about it. I'm in one of those where me and my partner talk very openly about uh, solo sexuality habits and patterns and, and the kinds of things we look at and pornography use and all that because that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with being in a partnered relationship and still utilizing uh, pornography and masturbation. In fact, that's very healthy and that's very appropriate. In fact, I, I, I tell people to do that. The more sex we have with ourselves, often the more sex we'll also have with our partners because it's about us really fueling that fire and really keeping sex prioritized and centered in our lives. So different desires for some people isn't a big deal and for others it is. But you have to decide how important sex is. And you also have to decide has our sex life maybe been negatively, has our sex life maybe, has it been negatively impacted, can't even put that sentence together, by other relational pieces. We aren't going to be open sexually to people we don't feel safe with. We aren't going to be open to sexual exploration if we're with a partner that we feel judged by or shamed by or not cared for. And so start there. Sometimes the issue is we need to work on liking each other. We need to work on feeling safe with each other. We need to work on not judging each other. And then we can start to talk about these topics, what's not working and what we need to have different. We're going to take a break, slide into those DMs, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get back to talking about mismatched sexual desire. Stick around. You're listening to Love Lime with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm getting really frustrated with my boyfriend. Been together about five years, and it seems as though he's getting more and more controlling. If the towels aren't hung right, he gets upset. If I'm eating something in front of the television and take a break for a few minutes, he immediately asks me if I'm done and starts trying to clean things up. He acknowledges that he's a little more uptight lately, but it's getting to the point where I literally feel like sometimes if I don't even fold the laundry right, it's going to lead to a huge fight. Yeah, so this person, your partner, is feeling very out of control. And in trying to assert control, he's really putting that upon you and the environment around him. Um, part of being in a relationship and in the world is having to deal with the chaos uh, of, of cohabitating with someone and living in other people's worlds as well. We can't expect everyone to reorient their priorities or their lives so as to make us comfortable. When we feel out of control and we're not able to settle ourselves down or ask for what we need, we start trying to control those around us as though they're the problem. 
I don't know how to stay calm over seeing the towels hung up wrong. So I'm going to make you the problem and say, if you just hung them right, then I wouldn't even have to go up against myself, which is so hard for me. But the work is really about their towels. Calm down. And I think we're living too much in judgment. Let me hear the ready for this one. Y'all It's going to blow some of your socks off. There is no right way to hang a towel. There isn't. And if you think you know the right way and the right way is your way, why do you think you get to make that decision for some other human being? Why do you think you get to have that much power? No one gets to decide for you what's right or wrong. We get to decide for ourselves. And a lot of us in a relationship, if we're upset about something, it's usually because we've decided there's a right way and you're not doing it. And the right way is our way. And that's dehumanizing, that's unfair, and that's just not correct. There are multiple ways of loading the dishwasher. There are multiple ways to fold or hang a towel, and your way is not the right way. And if you're thrown off by that, then maybe you should take on the responsibility of folding the towels and loading the dishwasher because you don't know how to regulate yourself around all the diverse ways that that can happen. So feel free to be in charge of doing that so that it's done the way you're comfortable with because you don't know how to manage yourself when it's not. So if you're the partner of someone who's always saying you're doing things wrong, you can say one of two things. I get to, as a healthy adult, make decisions as to how I fold things, where I leave my glass when I'm done, and how the dishwasher is loaded. If, however, you will struggle emotionally with seeing that, you need to work on emotional regulation or feel free to do it yourself. But these are not real issues. These are the signs of someone having something else going on. I don't know if they're anxious at work and they're coming home and trying to control their home environment. I don't know if they just struggle with emotional regulation skills in general. And now that they're living with you, they're encountering a lot of differences because both people's comfort matters just as much. Both, both people's feelings are just as valid. And no one is responsible for someone else's emotions if they're just that dysregulated. So to the person who asked me this question, say to your boyfriend, if you don't like the way I fold the towels, feel free to take on the responsibility of always folding towels because you want them done a certain way. Or you can say to him, there is no right way. And if there was, you don't have enough power and get to be the one to decide that. I also, my thoughts matter, my feelings matter, and the way I fold it is just as important. Because in healthy relationships, everyone is equal power. And maybe it's about you learning to assert yourself and say, you don't get to decide for me how I fold towels. We need to step outside of this issue because it sounds like your partner needs to learn how to calm himself down in the face of things not going the way he wants because that's an important life skill, especially for adults. So he has some learning to do and some growing up to do, but I want you to have some sensitivity to the fact that it's probably a sign that some other things are going on in his life. And maybe you want to cut right through it and say, what's going on? You seem to be struggling in general. And although it, you want to make it about the towels or where I'm eating or how I'm eating, what else is going on that's making you feel so dysregulated? But I want you to hit both levels because your quality of life while he's working through and figuring this out matters and you don't you don't have to be on the receiving end of his dysregulation like that. So kind of hand the problem back to him, but as his partner, be lovingly supportive, you know? But this is a lesson for all of us to learn. There's no right way for these things. And these shouldn't be the things that we're, you know, attacking our partners over. We have to grow up about that a little bit. All right, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, concerns. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Take a little break and we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about mismatched sex drive. Don't panic, it can happen. 
um, even in couples that haven't encountered that before, remember that throughout the duration of any relationship, most likely, you will go through different phases and stages where you're having more sex, less sex, more open, dynamic, creative sex, more standard, traditional sex. It's about how we feel about our bodies, our energy levels, medications we're taking, things that are on our mind. Also, how safe and comfortable and close and connected we feel to our partner. If you don't feel accepted, you're not going to feel safe opening up to sex. If you don't feel cared for, you're not necessarily going to have an interest in sex, sometimes our bodies not being willing, open, or ready for sex is our bodies doing what our minds won't. It's our unconscious saying, I'm not open to receiving this person or being with this person. Remember, we have to feel safe in the relationship to be able to relax enough into arousal and also to be able to really explore. So if you're wanting to explore with your partner and they're not willing to, start by asking yourself or maybe them directly, do you feel safe with me? Do you trust me? And if not, work on that first. Because if you're in a safe, trusting relationship, I want you to explore. I want you to push on each other's edges because your limit is their limit if you're in a monogamous relationship. And anything that gets habited or patterned is going to get boring. If we always start the same way and end the same way, and I know what step one is, and I know what step two is, and I know what step three is, and I know how we're gonna be done, that's boring. And we need to change that up. We have to be in the kind of relationship that's healthy enough to contain whatever it is we're thinking about or asking for. I always tell people, if you're with a partner that's sex negative or erotic phobic or very judgy or very insecure, you can't openly talk about your prior sex life, what, what's the kind of sex you like to have, the kind of pornography you watch, how often you masturbate, what you fantasize about, because they're not mature enough to hear that. They're going to be threatened by that. That's not a good sign. Try to find partners that are up for that or try to find partners you can build the kind of trust and help them understand that this is a part of who I am and I'm not gonna have shame around it nor do I need to. And if you're my primary partner, I need to be able to bring these things to you and discuss these parts of myself with you because if not you, then who? You're my sex partner. We should be able to talk very openly about who we are sexually, how we feel about the sex we're having and the kinds of sex we want to be having. If you can't talk about that, you got some work to do. If you can't be approached about that, you have some work to do. We need to be able to understand that our partners have had a sex life before us and they even have one without us when they're having sex with themselves. Solo sex, masturbation, that that is something that exists for most people while even in committed relationships. That is not unhealthy. That is not a sign that you're not good enough or you're not attractive enough. That has nothing to do with you actually. Just like we might read a book alone, that doesn't mean why you don't want to read with me? Can't we be holding the book and reading together? No, that sounds bizarre and ridiculous. Sex can be the same way. Sometimes we want an experience by ourselves with ourselves. That's autonomy. That's called having healthy boundaries. And there are sometimes things that, that don't include you and that's okay. That's the gift of solo sexuality is that we don't have to take into account other people in general, right? So that's another myth that we have to bust. Um, some people are too threatened by that. They think they're competing with that. No, healthy adult relationships, we kind of step outside of that. Um, so what are some of the other myths? Um, I think a big one is this whole topic of codependence. A lot of things, of, a lot of things that are actually a healthy um, sign in a relationship or a goal for a healthy relationship, some people shame as codependent because they're too avoidant. They are very anxious around commitment, and intimacy and closeness. I want my couples to be working towards a state where they think in terms of us and we, 
That's a good sign of a healthy, secure relationship where they talk in terms of us and we. What do we want for our future? What kind of vacation are we hoping to have? How are we as a couple? And when each individual makes decisions, they do take into account how it will impact their partner and their relationship. It is a primary consideration. That is not codependence. That's called being a healthy primary partner. I want people to do that. I assess the lack of that. And that tells me that they need to work on more closeness. So us and we thinking is a healthy sign when someone starts to talk about the two of you as a unit. Healthy, primary, secure, attached relationships are somewhat of a regression. It is a fusion. That is called interdependence. It's healthy. Then it extends into this other piece we have to talk about that busts the codependence myth, which is in a healthy primary relationship, we protect our relationship from anything that's going to be challenging to it or bad for it. And we look at the role that our friends have, our hobbies have, our job has, our mental health, our drinking. Are those things creating ruptures and problems in our primary relationship, which is important to us? If it is, we want to look at it. How can we change that? That, that's, that's ideal. We don't let things get in the way of us being attached and present in our relationship. We do think about our partner. And that's really hard for some people to do. In our culture, we're obsessed with what's in it for me? What do I need? I gotta do me. I gotta put myself first. Sure, there are a very few set of people that do need to do that. But most of us, it's quite the opposite. We have enough self. We don't need to work on more self and more boundaries. It's quite the opposite. We have to work on being more relational, impacted by others, more empathetic and considering how we impact others, more, more committed to prioritizing the relationship, more committed to having our partners back when they're not around. We often need more of that consideration, not the, not the opposite. We need a little more empathy, not less. Going to take a little break, come back. We're going to keep talking about some of these relational myths. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about busting relational myths. A lot of them are out there. We were kind of talking about this myth of codependence. Very few people are codependent and we often shame that. And we also often shame people that are female assigned or female identified as being the codependent ones when often they're actually just more relational and they need to find partners that understand relationality and they understand that it's a give and, a give and take, that understand that it's a compromise, that understand that it's about sharing power and everyone feeling empowered and everyone feeling like they're a opinions matter and their thoughts matter. So often it's not that you're codependent and clingy and needy. It's often that you're with someone who's self-centered or very toxically independent and doesn't understand what primary committed relationships are about. And so you're not the problem, your partner is and your partner's perspective. You're not codependent, you're actively seeking a healthy, secure, attached relationship and you wanna be close, you wanna be considered. Because again, remember, what are the, attribute, what are the attributes that speak to that? Consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. You requiring that, seeking that, Asking for that is not being codependent or needy or clingy. That is a healthy thing. That is what I help my couples work towards. So look for partners that want that as well. Look for partners that are comfortable with that. We'll look for partners that prioritize that. And if they don't, they are not a secure, attached kind of person. And you're going to have a lot of issues down the road. And we, that's why we meet partners. We have to make sure that they want something primary and secure and that we can start to ask and expect those things. But if they want something more casual, you have to ask yourself, am I up for that? Is that what I want? Am I willing to back off of some of that? Um, that's the question. 
And um, finally, and I talk about this on the show a lot as well, another myth is we have to get away from this idea that the goal of a relationship is just commitment or getting a ring on your finger, getting married, and that that's all that matters and then we're done. Oh, dear God, no. We have to keep doing the work of staying in that cycle, still attracting them, still flirting with them, still romancing them. Otherwise, all of that drifts and it dies. And that's a beautiful resource. That's also the reason why we do romantic relationships. We don't have to have them. We want them. We want them because of what they provide. And if it's not providing that, start bringing that back in and start looking for people that also value that. Otherwise, what's the point of having this person that you're married to if they're distant, if they're unavailable, if they're inconsistent, if they're not responsive? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why are you staying a part of that? You gotta really ask yourself that. But a lot of couples don't realize that this is what the goals should be. And so you have to start to get your partner to get committed to creating a secure relationship, a primary relationship, what I call a truly committed relationship. A ring doesn't show me commitment. Marriage doesn't show me commitment. Owning a house or having a child doesn't show me commitment. Those are just structural things that anyone can do. And there's a lot of people that are married with kids in a ring and are absolutely absolutely not worthy of trust, absolutely are not committed, and are constantly doing things that don't speak to fidelity. It's how the person shows up as a married partner, as someone who owns a home with you, as a co-parent that demonstrates that. It's the behavior, not just those structural things being in place, but some people think the opposite. It'll be better once we get married. What? That doesn't change anything. A ring changes nothing. Marriage doesn't change anything unless you let it change you. And we need to do a lot of that changing. But you have to make sure your partner's on board with all these things. Um, other relational myths that get in the way. Well, here's a sex one. That sex is just penetration. Now, why does that matter? Well, because of one third of women orgasm from penetration alone. So if all you're having is penetrative sex and nothing else, you're, you're not taking care of your female-bodied, vagina-owning partner. Why else does it matter? Well, because every 10 years, we have another 10% increased chance of having erectile disappointments. When you're in your 30s, 30% of the time, you're gonna be a little disappointed as to how it's going on down there if you're a penis owner. In your 40s, about 40% of the time. In your 50s, 50% of the time. And we have to get familiar being a little more fluid and not being obsessed with sex being about genitals and penetration and erections. Because as we get older and our bodies change in healthy ways, because that's a healthy part of change, and also we're taking medications and life events are happening and maybe some stressors, we're not always gonna be open and available for performing in the ways we did as a child. So we need to grow out of this idea that real sex, true sex, completed sex is always about penetration. We are still so obsessed with that. And that applies so much pressure and that pressure gets in the way. And it also pulls us out of what it is we're even trying to do. We're trying to have fun. We're trying to have joy. We're trying to build intimacy. None of those things are only accessible through one form of sexuality. So start broadening your sexual repertoire. Start broadening your definition of what real sex is. But then we also have to talk about bids because every time your partner makes a bid for your attention, every time your partner tries to connect with you, every time your partner or you try to initiate sex, you really are kind of saying, can I trust you? Are you there for me? Are we in a truly committed relationship? So one of the rules a lot of us couples therapists make is anytime your partner turns to you for your attention, don't be dismissive, don't ignore them, do something receptive. And if you're busy, and you're in the middle of something and you're not available, you can still be receptive by saying, hi, honey, 
I'm so glad you wanted to show me that. I'm in the middle of sending an important email. Give me one second and I'll be right with you. Or I'm on a very important phone call. Give me five more minutes and then you're all, and then you got my full attention. Or I'm not interested in penetrative sex, but let's do some oral. Or I'm not interested in anything truly sexual or erotic. Can we just cuddle or hold hands and go for a walk? But you have to do something receptive. And it's so wide, but you have to do something that says, I see you, I hear you, and you're important. And I get it. Sometimes you're in the middle of something and you can't just switch gears right in that, in that moment. But call that out. In the middle of something, I'll be right with you. Let me finish this quickly, then I'm all yours. Don't want to have penetrative sex, but I'm down to do this. You have to do something that is responsive and available. And sometimes in the moment, I want you to maybe put the phone down or the computer down and be like, hey, tell me what's up, because that's a person. People come first. People are more important than that email or that text message or that book you're in the middle of reading or the TV show you're watching. Pause it, put it down, come back to it. Because if we don't, we might stop going to our partner or they might, or your partner might stop coming to you. And then we have a bigger problem when they start turning away and they never try to connect because they're always rejected or they're always ignored or dismissed. We don't want to set that up. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about this, and then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Love Lime with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're uh, finishing up our discussion on relational myths. Really important stuff because it's a lot of the same things that I see people kind of stumbling over. Ooh, we've been going through a lot. So if you want to go back and re-listen, you can check out past episodes, including tonight's show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Bam, they're all there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Again, that's over at wearechannelq.com. We were just talking about bids for attention, whether sexually or otherwise, and how you don't want your partner to think, well, I'm going to stop trying to connect with them because they're always busy. Um, and they always turn me down, they ignore me, they dismiss me, they shut me down, they shut me out. You might be the person thinking that, maybe your partner's thinking that, and that's why we always have to do something that says, I'm here, I'm responsive, I'm available, and if it's not a good time, let them know that. I'll be right with you, give me four minutes, and then I'm all yours. But we have to do something. We don't wanna just be neglecting people or shooting them down. Um, Another thing is, and this is a big one, we have to be willing to accept lack. Lack means, no one's going to provide everything. And everyone will say, I know, I know, I know, no one's perfect, or there is no such thing as ideal and perfect. But then they'll literally complain about something being off, something being frustrating, something being disappointing. Yeah, every relationship will always have some things that aren't ideal, aren't perfect. You have to learn how to stay in relationships that have some lack, something missing. If you're always waiting for perfect, you're going to be waiting forever. There's always going to be something that's going to annoy you. There's always going to be something that you wish was different, something that's not ideal. And that's why we use words like find someone who's good enough, someone who's consistent, reliable, responsive, available, someone you're attracted to. Let that be enough. They don't need to be your everything. They don't need to be perfect. Good enough. And that word scares people. But you can also take a benchmark. How long you've been alive? And then how many people have you been with or met or dated or flirted with or matched with in that time? Well, based on that huge number, that big sample size, you can get a sense of what's possible for you. And the person you're thinking about or considering or you're currently with, based on that sample size of everyone you've been with leading up to them, how they doing? Because if they're pretty much at the top of that list, well, that's your benchmark. This is pretty much about as good as it gets for you. So work on being in. 
If it's at the lower end, well, your experience has shown you that better does exist. But if you, in the time you've been here and the amount of people you've met, if you haven't met better than this person, most likely you won't. It is reasonable at some point to take a benchmark and to say, this looks like what's possible for me. And based on that, what kind of decision do I wanna make? That's helpful for some, it's not helpful for everyone. But either way, it is about settling on some things. You can dump you know, Christine because you don't like the way she chews. Now you're dating Tina. Well, Tina has a drinking problem, so you dump her. Now you're dating Heather. But Heather doesn't like leaving the house and you're highly social, so you break up with her. And it's like at some point, being in a relationship long-term means accepting the person exactly as they are and not trying to change the, the basics of who they are. And you accept them and you realize some things are going to be lacking, some things are not, not gonna be ideal, but being in a relationship with someone means sticking around and dealing with that. But otherwise you're always breaking up with someone because you just don't know how to deal with an annoyance. And that's why I spent a whole show talking about the difference between deal breakers and red flags. Things that annoy you or frustrate you are not deal breakers. That's called welcome to the world, welcome to dating imperfect people. Things that are annoying or frustrating are at best a red flag, meaning something you have to get more time with, more experience around, a little more information. But usually that are things that you just accept. So if someone says, I met someone, I think they're super great, or I've been married to someone for five years, 10 years, and I think they're great. However, it's annoying that they, or it lets me down when they, or I wish this was different. I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. But nonetheless, you're in a great relationship. Those aren't deal breakers. Those aren't reasons to leave someone because those things are always gonna exist. It's called accepting lack. That's why we have other relationships in our lives. But you have to understand those distinctions. And then I think the final thing to kind of close out the segment on um, is we have to be willing to do the repair. And that's also what we want to look for is that it's not whether or not we fight. Every relationship's going to have fighting and conflict. But are we willing, are they willing to take some accountability, to own their part, and to do what needs to be done for us to reconnect? Because disconnection is part of the game. But the key is, are we good at reconnecting? quickly. We don't want it to be drawn out. We don't want to be always so sensitive, so reactive, and take a lot of time to come back to baseline or equilibrium. So how good are you at processing all that as a couple? How good are you getting back to the reconnection? If you never reconnect or work through, that ain't a good sign. We got to get better at being able to do that. That is part of being in a relationship. Um, and that's why we learn the most, I say this all the time, when we get into conflict and then we see how we do as a couple. That tells me the most about whether or not you know this relationship really has sustainability is uh, what happens in those moments of conflict. So bring your best in those moments and see what part you know what part of them your partner brings. Are they bringing their best or their lower self? It's a lot to think about. That's why we are channelq.com is where you can check out past episodes and uh, DMs. We're going to be taking a break and coming back and doing those. So if you got a DM for us, drop those DMs on our Loveline IG page in the DMs. Questions you got, we want to hear from you. Topics you want covered, things you want us to circle back to and drop deeper into, let us know. They're always open. We're always happy to hear from you. But uh, stick around because we got those DMs to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because we'll be right back. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Chris. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alessa. I moved out to LA to work in music right before the pandemic began. Took a huge chance, moved there, and everything feels like it's on pause. I don't feel so great. Kind of feel like a failure. My family tells me I should just move back home, but I'm not happy or comfortable moving back to where we're from. It's just not for me. Are there any resources that can help me start feeling better so I can get back to my job hunt? Um, yes and no. I mean, again, mental health isn't about not ever feeling bad, especially when your feelings are an appropriate response to what's going on. I, I, again, I want to coach us all out of thinking if I'm feeling anxious or depressed about something, that means something bad is happening and they need to get rid of those feelings at all costs, no matter what you should be depressed and anxious about not finding a job. That is a healthy, reasonable, emotional response. All anxiety or depression isn't pathological. Let me say that again. Just because you're anxious or depressed or sad, that doesn't mean you have a disorder or something pathological is happening that needs a fix or a medication. We have to learn how to allow that. Sit with it. You should be frustrated or disappointed or stressed. You're living in a different city and you can't find work. You're trying to get your basic needs met. There's nothing in the world that's just going to remove those feelings. You have to learn how to sit in those feelings. You took a big leap. I'm proud of you. I'm inspired by you. What an amazing thing you did. But it's understandable that you're feeling the way you feel. I want you to still make sure you're getting your basic needs met. Make sure you're eating. Make sure you're sleeping. Make sure you're drinking water. I want you to have social networks so you can reach out to and process how hard it is to have yet another day of being unemployed in a new city. And I would say you have to keep at it. Finding a job is like finding love. It's a numbers game. You have to put the time in. You have to go on lots of dates. So you have to send out your resume. You have to go on interviews. But no, there's no magical thing that should remove any anxiety when your anxiety is a healthy, normal response. I don't want to support the idea that we should always be feeling great and happy in times where we shouldn't. 
We shouldn't be smiling and skipping around happily when we're struggling to get our basic needs met. It's a natural human response. So sit with it, allow it. And I want you to connect with people in your life that will allow you to feel that way. But no, there's no magic tip or, tip or trick to remove that, nor does there need to be. I don't want us to turn into robots. I don't want to imply that we should be doing toxic positivity where the goal is always to be happy no matter what's going on. Feel rough, feel tough, feel sad. Something sad is happening. You know, you might have made the wrong choice and your family's trying to pull you back and you don't want to. So stick around for a certain amount of time, but maybe you will reach a point where you realize LA isn't working for me right now. I might not have made the right move at the right time and I might need to come back and try again. So maybe you need to actually feel those feelings and ask yourself if it's reasonable to stay here. I don't know how long you've been looking for a job. I don't know what the job prospects are. I don't know if you have the necessary skill sets. So it might be about you going against some of that, that you took a risk and the risk might not have paid off. Maybe LA isn't the right place for you. I don't wanna say that no matter what, stick it out and figure it out. I don't know if that's right for you. But as always, there's sliding scale therapy. You can find that at a treatment center that works with interns. Um, they can provide some supportive resources, but it's gonna be support. Uh, there's no need and there's no way to just remove natural healthy responses to the adversity. We have to learn how to tolerate that better, you know? So sure, some sliding scale supportive therapy can help with that. But again, I think you need to really just settle into where you are, not pathologize what you're feeling. And uh, just make sure that it is the right move at the right time. Maybe it isn't. And maybe you will have to go back home. And you'll have to uh, tap into your confidence and say, just because it wasn't the right timing doesn't mean that what I did was bad or wrong. And you should feel very proud of the uh, risk that you took and the move that you made. I think that's really awesome, you know. But uh, good luck. But again, healthy, you know, just because we have natural feelings to an adverse situation doesn't mean that the problem is the feelings and we need to get rid of them. Allow that, but you have to look at the decision you made and whether or not that was the right decision at this time. So, all right, y'all, that is our show. Focus on tons of self-care, as much joy and pleasure as you can build into your day. Also, uh, some rest and leisure, you know? We're taking as much rest as possible. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the uh, DMs on our Loveline G page. We'd love to hear from you. And past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, click on the link, binge, post, share, re-listen. It's all there. Lots of good stuff. Check out some of the other shows. Um, as always, though, be good to yourselves. Be good to those around you. Thanks for hanging out. And you all enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.